Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. We're almost done. I just couldn't let Mendel not finish her punchlines at the end. She had an amazing dream not very long ago about all of us, and so she has a couple more parts to release, and then we'll wrap it up, okay? Y'all good? All right. More, 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 they say. Mo, mo, mo. Okay, okay. It's going to be fun. Okay, well, this part, these parts will go a little faster, okay? And they're sort of like a sealing up the word. Take our time. Okay, good. Okay. This next section is from a word, um, I think it was December 3rd or so. Actually, it was an encounter. Well, you know, the encounter led to, led to a word. Sorry, it's coming back to me. We're going to do the seeds on foreign soil. So what happened here was um, I wasn't even doing anything in particular. In fact, I was just getting ready for bed one night and listening to something. And I just, I sat down on my bed. I was about to lay down. I sat on the edge of my bed and just had this incredible spirit-filled encounter. I don't even, it was, it was very unusual. Like I suddenly experienced, like it was like I just ascended into the heavens and I had total clarity and the weight of my human reasoning and the weight of all my perspectives that contradict what God says were just lifted off for a time. And I could see all this stuff, like perceive all of this. And I, I, had, I sat there for probably an hour just caught up in this incredible experience. And then when, I, when it sort of lifted, I decided to write something more about it. And then in the writing, he revealed um, some really cool stuff. And it goes along with what he's told us so far. And so it really, there were some lines in there that, you know, and like, I did not, I was not trying to think of this when I wrote this. This didn't, this full picture hadn't even been fully revealed to me yet. Okay. So even though I had the dream and the other word by this time, I'm not think consciously thinking of that. And I say that to emphasize, again, this is the Holy Spirit's message. And this is, I feel like, a really reinforcing word of what he's told us. And it is a, um, a secret um, for how we could pursue operating in what he's invited us to in, in the days to come. And so in my, let me scroll down here and see if there's anything this word is also at the back of the book in the deeper dive section. So later on, um, please do visit it because it's something to just go through the process with them and hear the dialogue. And so um, I was saying, you know, I experienced this pristine clarity and I began to see the foolishness of my youth. Although that's not what, that didn't mean what you might think. Um, I said, even that of just yesterday, I saw the surrenders of my past to King Jesus and the foolishness of what I thought I was offering. Now, let me go, go back up here to my excerpts for today. And um, I was just trying to process with him what I had experienced, this sensation, this feeling that I had. And so let me start with this quote I, I wrote I, that I had realized in this encounter that this life that I'm living and this breath I'm still breathing, this body, this soul, has one thing of value. It's to be an open door, an unhindered portal for divinity to travel. Yahweh Elohim has a window of opportunity in me. In my writing, which, you, like I said, when you read it yourself, you'll see how it came about and, and the cool way that that the Holy Spirit does, but I summarized here that Yahweh was revealing to me how he considers our life to be sacred. Now, so this is an interesting parallel, right? I, all this weightiness was lifted off of me. I had like pure clarity in this encounter, and in the process of that, I saw my nothingness, which at first might sound like a downer and something, you know, sad, but it wasn't. That's the thing. It was pure freedom. It was pure 
freedom to have all of that just supernaturally detached from me. Like as much as I wish I could feel that all the time, I don't feel that. I still feel those little strings that are tied to these perceptions that aren't from him. But in this moment, it was a glimpse and I saw my nothingness and it was pure, pure freedom. And so on one hand, I'm realizing I am nothing. Okay. But on the other hand, then simultaneously, he's revealing through this word how sacred our lives are. And so I had this realization that Yahweh considers our lives to be sacred. We confuse this concept when we look for value by our own definitions. By doing so, we will always feel as though we've fallen short in life. Something inside us knows that we are incredible, but nothing we credit ourselves with of human accomplishment measures up to this. Now that's another glimpse at our mindset. If you think that you have something of value to offer to God, and it's not what he's talking about, if, he's not, if it's not this window of opportunity for him, this pure yielding of letting him be come through you as a portal, then you will never feel, you will never get there. You will never, never feel like you arrived because it's based on the wrong definitions. There is an, a feeling, there's a knowing inside of you that your life is sacred and it's incredible and it's meant for greatness. And there is nothing you can do out of your humanity that will ever, ever meet up with what you know to be true about you. You will never get there. You can be 99 years old on your deathbed and you will realize I never got there. We confuse, we get confused and we feel like failures because we're looking for the wrong things. We're looking at the wrong definitions. We know our lives are sacred and valuable, but we get confused when we look at look for value in our own definitions. Nothing we credit with ourselves with of human accomplishment can measure up to this. This is part of what I wrote. It's no wonder we feel like failures when we try to find our value in the waxy buildup of human progress. I've got to stop right there already. Okay, again, I'm just telling you, in case you haven't connected to the dots yet, and there's plenty of time for all that, so don't feel pressure, but the Holy Spirit is literally building on last year's word. Yeah. Remember the waxy buildup in our previous word? The value wasn't in what the, all the wax that the bee stuck all over itself. The perfect design was when the surface tension of life pulled that wax into the perfect hexagon, the perfect 120 angles and every all around. So, but this, these are just the words that spill out of me. I'm not thinking of that when I'm writing this, okay? I'm just like, oh, yes, yeah, the waxy buildup. It's no longer, no wonder we feel like failures when we try to find our value in the waxy buildup of human progress. Like building sandcastles with our millions when we know the tide is coming. And like clockwork, it will all be washed away by morning. No, a sandcastle already crumbling can't be his reason for calling my life worthy. My true value is only seen when I realize that nothing, and I mean nothing, of my own doing is a valuable offering. But stripped bare, like a reed not even blooming, like a reed not even blooming, there's no color, no pretty, anything, okay? I see value in the life that is growing. This life is an opportunity for divinity, a heavenly entrance into the natural world from seeds scattered on foreign soil. Heaven planted one of its seeds in earthly soil, and the angels delighted to watch it grow. That is me, a heavenly planting. That's you, a heavenly planting, taking root in foreign soil with hopes of one day being its covering. Habakkuk 2.14, cover the earth. The dirt that clings to me as I grow is not what will produce the flower. It is not what makes me valuable. One day it will fall away as true beauty blossoms in a colorful display. Inherent to my DNA is an expression of heaven. Protected, nurtured, watered, and fed, I am destined to display its glory. 
This dirt on me is not something I need to shape or try to make into something. My value is not in what it will be, but in surrendering to being a vessel for divinity. Now, I'm just telling you, if you'll just believe, believe me when I say it, I felt this. I felt the weightlessness of it. It was such a relief. It was such a relief. I wish I could push a button and re-experience it just anytime I needed it, you know, and we're all on that journey of, of being freed from those things. I felt the freedom that came from the pressure being relieved of having to make something out of what I had to give God. You know, and that's why I said the foolishness of my youth was thinking that I had offered God something of valuable value when it was just that waxy buildup. I was just like, well, I'll do this for you and I could do this for you. And this is what I could see doing for you. And this is what I could offer you. And I give it to you. I give it all to you. I give it all to you. And in my word, it's so cool because he says that he still loves that. He still loves that we said that, but it's really nothing. It's like, like, have you ever had... Like, as a, a little kid will sometimes give you a present that's not really, like, it's like a cotton ball. And it's like, here you go. And you are grateful. You are so grateful that they gave you, and it might even be, you know, not a fresh cotton ball. You are grateful because of their heart to give it to you. But it's nothing. You're not going to use that. It's of no value to you. And that's what he was saying to us. He so loves what we offer to him, but you will experience a real freedom when you know what your value is to him. And that is being emptied out, being just a a portal from heaven to reach down and touch this earth. He's in the process, right, of making all things new. He's got to have a way to reach the earth. It's through you. It's through, it's through us. And so, um, you know, he said that he, he used the seed analogy. Heaven planted one of its seeds growing on foreign soil. Well, you know, trees start with seeds, don't they? Trees are planted like a seed. And this is foreign soil because once you're born again, you belong to heaven. You don't belong to this earth anymore. And so I was reminded of um, Isaiah 61, which Tisa had already mentioned. And, you know, I have to say this again in case you don't know, but Tisa and I receive our portions of the word at different times in different ways, and then we compile them, and we collaborate on compiling them, but we haven't connected all the dots, and so we're discovering it together about how they overlap, overlap and reinforce and the why and the all of this, and so that's going to be really fun. But So Tisa had already had... Um, Referenced Isaiah 61 too. The mighty spirit of Lord Yahweh is wrapped around me because Yahweh has anointed me as a messenger to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to tell captives, you are free, to give them a beautiful bouquet in the place of ashes, the oil of bliss instead of tears, and the mantle of joyous praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. I'm telling you, I was praising him that night because it's such a relief to be freed of that spirit of heaviness. That's true joy. That's true joy, I'm telling you. Because of this, because of that, they will be known as mighty oaks of righteousness planted by Yahweh as a living display of his glory, which we've always t- we've already touched on. We are glorified by, be- by becoming the rewritten tree of life. It's, it's a reference to trees. He's, he put it all in there. It's all in there. He knew about this a long time ago, like way back on the snake. He knew there was going to be a tree, tree of life, all that rewritten dreams, all that mighty oaks of righteousness, right? So jump ahead. I found myself, I pulled this out. I called it a declaration. It's just what I wrote in the process. And I said, here I am. I've managed to grow and extend beyond this soil I was planted in. I've taken shape and I now stand upright reaching for sunlight. Here I am, a vessel for you. I offer to you all that I am and nothing more. All that I am, but nothing more that I'm pretending to be or think I need to be. Reach down from your heavenly throne and touch this earth through me in any way you please. I am your planting in this place. Display yourself through me in any way you please. 
like a tender shoot, I am here for you. Again, I'm not writing these words, okay? These were not in my mind. <laughs> like a tender shoot, I'm here for you. It's not something I've said before. <laughs> this is the Holy Spirit, okay? And so, of course, this is a reference to Isaiah 53, which is talking about Jesus. It's foretelling in the Old Testament testament about the coming of jesus and it says out of emptiness he came like a tender shoot from rock hard ground he didn't look like anything or anyone of consequence he had no physical beauty to attract our attention i wrote that jesus came as a tender root destined to grow into an oak of righteousness who would be transfigured into the tree of life we share his destiny we all start this journey as mere seeds scattered on foreign soil. And just like him, we appear to be of no consequence to ourselves and the world around us. But if, like him, we cry out, not my will, but yours be done, Yahweh will breathe his glory on our sprouting seed and the tree of life will once again be rewritten with our lives. Oh, Papa, that is our cry. That is our prayer. It's hard not to just break into prayer right now over all of this, but I asked him at some point in this word after, after this point of my encounter, how can I remember this? Because I started to feel it lifting. You know, I'm like, oh, it's lifting. I, this isn't like something I can live in with this. You know, when you have a feeling, it's a little bit easier to believe. When somebody tells you truth and it bumps up against your feelings, that's harder to operate with. But it was the feeling was lifting. And so I said, how can I remember this? Like, how can I remember this as I get up tomorrow morning and keep going and go through my day? And I, so I asked him and he said to remember that we have completely surrendered. And, and I have to note here that, and I put it in here, we must all keep ourselves forever before him on the journey of complete surrender and may not all be at the same place. This is always a good convo to have with the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's to be, you know, judged by him. And but it's a conversation between the two of you of how completely surrendered you are. I would have said I was completely surrendered years ago when I was offering him all this stuff, I thought, which wasn't even much then. But, you know, still, I thought that's what I had to offer. And so there's levels of complete surrender. And, and we have that's something that we have to navigate okay but if you've if you feel like you've completely surrendered truly and honestly in your heart he says remember it and give and you have that you have given him permission to fully occupy your mind emotions and your thinking and your body he said he is the one now animating our lives if you've if you feel like you're living out of this word and that's your heart desire heart's desire to be that just stripped bare as a reed, as a vessel, a window of opportunity for him to speak through, then we have to acknowledge that he's animating our lives now. And he brought me this verse. He, he reminded me in that moment in all the, of the verse, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And so I looked that up, and this is the Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him, and he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. Now, you know, the beautiful thing about Scripture is that it takes on new meaning as you go through your journey and just what the Holy Spirit is highlighting. So this, this is another verse that meant one thing to me in the past. A different portion of it was highlighted. And with this word in this context, with his pointing of it, it spoke to me in a different way. In all your ways... Know and acknowledge him. Some definitions of acknowledge are to accept or admit the existence of or the truth of something. To recognize the rights, authority, or status of. So I felt like he was saying, remember that you've surrendered. Remember that you asked me to come and speak through you. And so remember, in all your ways that you're doing life, I'm in it. I'm animating you now. If you've really surrendered and yielded to him, to that, he's the one animating us. And so we would do better in every circumstance if we would acknowledge him. 
know, acknowledge, and recognize. We've got to recognize him in what we're doing in our day-to-day lives. Recognize him in our in our our the journey that we're on, the choices that we make, etc. We no longer lean on our own understanding because we are no longer the ones animating our lives. That's how this verse makes sense to me. It's no longer about our understanding or making sense to us or our reasoning. It's in all our ways we are to acknowledge his operation. So when it says don't rely on your own insight or understanding, I used to think that meant like, remember, stop using your own understanding, you know? (laughs) But in this word, he's trying to tell me, remember that weightlessness that you felt And how you could remember that is you're not relying on your own insight or understanding anymore because I'm the one animating you. I'm the one speaking through you, acting through you. So don't, you're not relying on that. Remember the fact that you're not relying on that anymore. And instead, in all that you do, know him. Acknowledge that he's the one animating. Recognize him in you. Acknowledge as in recognize and give credit for being present. Acknowledge as a no longer ignoring his operation in our lives. That's something I have to, I have to do. I will override the Holy Spirit speaking through me because my logic will kick in and say, no, uh, uh-uh. that wouldn't make any sense. That's exactly how it happens. Why would I do that? That didn't make any sense. And so then I'll just, I'll override the Holy Spirit in all my ways, acknowledge and recognize. I'm not using my understanding anymore. It doesn't matter if it makes sense to me. I need to acknowledge him in those moments. Give him credit. He's in there trying to do stuff. He's trying to speak through you, to flow through you. Let's acknowledge him more, acknowledge his presence in us. If we have fully res- res- if we have fully surrendered to him, it's time to shift out of being fearful about what is us and what is him. We will not navigate that question with success if we, be- if we strong arm it. Okay, there, there are going to be times when that, no, that was us. That was me. And then there's times where it was the Holy Spirit. But we've got to navigate that question. If we are so afraid of something being us that we never operate for him, then we are subtracting from what he said. And we are a portion of being the tree of life is removed. If we're so afraid, it might be us. You know, and it's this, this is the don't add or subtract. And if you're so, if you're not mindful of what your soul is doing and everything is him, then you might be adding to what he said. And so we, we've got to ease up and let the Holy Spirit actually help us navigate those questions and not try to hold on to it. Like, oh my gosh, you know. So again, that full word is at the end of the end of the book. And I really encourage you to to read that and just give time to have an encounter with him. If you could taste of that and let him show you some things um, that you're believing or that you just feel, you just let it just have an encounter with him. You don't have to have understanding. Just trust he's going to do something through reading these words and, and it will begin to unlock some things for you and help you to um, begin to walk this out. You know, I'm just seeing that picture in my head now where I don't even know where this comes from, but I know it's been in a movie where, I can't think of what it is, but, you know, when someone's running and their armor's falling off as they run, you know, what's that? I had like a force, force gump. He's losing, he's running and doing, losing some stuff too. That's not what I was thinking of, but it's like where you're, he's like breaking out of this hard shell, but that works too. That works. Yeah. You know, so as you walk, though, the idea is that he will start to loosen some stuff up through these encounters. And as you walk, stuff will start falling off of you and breaking off of you. And so the Holy Spirit is so fun. Our next section, okay, as I started to kind of get a clue about what this overarching word was, um, that Tisa and I were talking and we're like, well, are we still going to be bees or is this still the hive? Because last year was all about the secrets of the honeycomb, right? And so we were like, well, we know that doesn't really matter to the Holy Spirit, but he does stuff like that to help. It's fun, and we love in this house to really, we do so many things that really honor what he said in those ways. So we have, you know, pictures, and we buy things that are honeycomb-shaped. And he loves that we delight in what he said that way. And so we were kind of holding it loosely, and I kept thinking, well, what do you call, if we're called to be trees, 
then we're a group of trees. And what do we call that? Like, I don't even know what you'd call that. Like, what, a forest? That doesn't have a ring to it. That doesn't sound right. You know, like, a, I mean, a bunch of trees, that doesn't have a ring to it. That can't be it. Well, I had this really, really, really cool confirmation the other night. This was just a few nights ago. So I'm reading these fiction, Christian historical fiction novels just for fun, and they're retelling the stories of being rescued out of Egypt and stuff like that, and you kind of get to know the characters. So I'm just reading this for fun before I go to bed. I'm reading along. Now, this is a, a month and a half, if not two months, after I had the Tree of Life dream. And in the, my book, towards the end, without me having any prior knowledge, they tell the story of the snakes biting the characters and the bronze staff being lifted, the snake being lifted up. I just about elevated out of my bed, okay? I could not believe it. I started weeping because it was, this is just not a story in the Bible I have thought much about. I had no expectation. In fact, when this character got in my book, it's like, you know, it's like a really crucial part of the story. You're all wrapped in it. That's how I read books. I'm getting all wrapped into their story. And she gets bitten by a snake. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, surely she's not going to die. She can't die at this point in the story. And next thing I know, they're, they're pulling out the bronze snake. And her guy's like crushing her over and says, look at the snake on the staff. You know, and so... I just feel like that was such a kiss from Papa because I wasn't even reading this book when I got that download and began to, to search it out. You know, that was just his timing is so cool like that. So I'm all caught up in that and I'm just like, okay, well, I guess I'll just keep going. I've got to see what happens. And I'm reading along and the character who was healed with this crazy, beautiful encounter, okay, heard the voice of God while being healed by looking upon the bronze serpent. It was very, very moving. And then she's just describing something. They're going to go shoot an arrow or something. And she says that their target was over in a stand of trees. Jumped off the page of me. Jumped off the page. I literally did not read past that word. I did not finish the sentence. I don't know what happened. I was like, a stand of trees. A stand of trees. I have never heard that before in my life. But I was like, what in the world is that? How is that in here? So I began to search what a stand of trees is, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, that's, that's our answer. What do you call a group of believers who are being rewritten as the tree of life, the stand? Now, this has such a cool, multi, not even, more than a double meaning, okay? So this is the stand. As a group, we're the stand. The hive is a group, right? So I looked it up. A stand of trees is a group of trees that are uniform in species composition, age, size, and structure. The composition of a stand can vary depending on the location, the climate, and the soil conditions. Some common types of stands include even age stand, where all the trees are the same age, or you can have a mixed age stand, where the trees uh, are of different ages, are present. And so, incredible because, you know, this is a time when when the Holy Spirit is really asking us to stand for truth, we're asking to be, we're saying stand up. The bride is awakening and standing up from her dormant position. I mean, we talk, it's a thing. It's a thing right now, right? Stand at attention, stand up, be in your position, take a stand, be willing to speak for truth. All very, very crucial, crucial, critical things that we're being called to do right now. And so we're going to be called a stand of trees. We are the stand, the stand. And so we have one of our beautiful illustrations where we are not just one tree of life, but a grouping of the trees of life. Um, interestingly, I was just still trying to wrap my mind around what a stand was. And I was like, well, what's different between a stand and a forest? Interesting. A forest is a large area of land, a large area of land that's covered with trees and underbrush. It also has, can include plants and animals and all the stuff on the land. So a forest is a name for everything that's on that portion of land. Whereas a stand, on the other hand, refers to a grouping of trees. It's actually a grouping of trees that are more or less uniform in age and size. And um, you can have a different size stands, okay? You can have one with just a couple trees. You can have a large group of trees. Makes me think of all the churches. You can have a tiny house church. You can have a big church. You can have lots of stands, okay? 
I heard that this was a, a message in that one life is not just a physical location on a plot of land. We are not just this, right? We are not just a location on a map. We're not just in this little complex here. That's not what makes one life. We are a group, a grouping of passionate, like-minded, spirit-led, worshiping children of God who stand to reveal the resurrection life of Jesus Christ as oaks of righteousness for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians is the verse for it. So now, beloved ones, stand firm. So now, beloved ones, stand firm, stable and enduring. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. It goes so along with everything else he's poured out. I wrote that the Holy Spirit is calling us higher in our identity as individuals and collectively as a tribe. He has called us to be a stand of living, breathing trees of life, bearing fruit in every season with leaves for the healing of the nations. As always with the Holy Spirit, there is a depth of meaning behind this description that we are invited to explore and pursue in 2024. That night as I was laying in bed, I began to read many definitions of what stand as a word could mean. There's a ton. It is an entire page, and we had to use this crazy font just to make it fit on a page, okay? We're going to explore throughout the year what it means to be a stand. We're going to find different types of applications, okay? There's, there's lots of them. There's um, just a few I've put highlighted in purple. There's stand can mean to maintain one's position, hold a course. It can mean to be in a position to gain or lose because of an action taken or a commitment made. Yield, yielding to yield, right? It could mean to agree and be in accord. It could mean to endure or undergo successfully, to tolerate without flinching, to bear courageously, stand. These are all things we're going to see ourselves doing this year. To remain firm in the face of dot, 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 right? Stand firm. To submit to something, to perform the duty, to participate, pay the cost. Wow. I mean, these are all definitions of the word stand. Who knew, right? to strongly or aggressively hold a position, take a stand. It can be a reference to testifying in court, testifying. It may not be in court, but we're in life. It might be a court of heaven, testifying. We're going to be testifying. And it can also speak to being a point of vantage. Like if you are, it's a vantage point. If you're on a stand, if you're up on a stand, you can see different angles, right? And it may take a while to think through these and what they, it's hard to wrap your mind around all of them all at once. But, and do you guys see what number seven at the bottom of the page is? Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> what in the world, right? This is all in one night. Like, I, this the book with the snake on the staff in my story and then a stand of trees and then it's the hive and then I didn't even know what that meant in Merriam-Webster where it says hive sense too I'm like what does that mean I don't even know what that means and it took like a day to figure that out but I didn't need to really know because it's confirmation that's just confirmation the Holy Spirit loves what we're doing in this house it loves how we pour out these words how we honor them and pursue them and build on them and have fun with them and he so wants to participate. He wants. He loves this. He loves this with us. He loves that. He didn't have to do that. I was going to share this word whether he put that in my book or not. And we were going to find something to call ourselves whether it was there or not. And I believed him just from seeing a stand of trees. I didn't need to see hive in there, but that sure was fun. That was fun. That was fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a stand could also be something that is used for support. TV stand supports your TV. We're going to be in a position to support some things, to support some people, to support who knows what. And then, of course, a group of plants. 
growing in a continuous area. So we'll see what we can do with that. But as a bunch of oaks of righteousness being transformed into trees of life, collectively, we are a stand of trees. And that'll be fun to explore. And then finally, the Holy Spirit wanted us to have just a little bit more for fun. I had another dream just a few, what, a week ago, something like that. That was incredibly powerful, and I felt like it it was a prophetic dream, and I felt like it was a prophetic dream for this ministry, okay? If I were to take myself out of it and prophesy to one life, and this this is what this dream was. And so just I I have to share the dream itself with you, which is written out there, and then I'll, I'll share the interpretation with you. This is the glory house section. I dreamt that while driving, I saw a place for lease that was attached to the right side of a Target store. It was owned separately by a woman and was built out differently. For many years in the past, it had functioned as a church under a name that started with the letter B. And it had been used to train the Israeli Defense Force. The woman who owned it had reopened it recently as the Glory House and had the roof painted purple. She was teaching a few classes out of it now, but also had it listed for lease. I wondered if it would be a good fit for One Life, so Tisa and I drove to take a closer look. We noticed that the woman's house was directly behind the church in a fairly hidden older neighborhood. While most of the neighborhood was run down, there were a handful of very large homes that would have been really nice in their day. If the neighborhood was ever revamped, transfigured, resurrected, maybe. Could have used those words, right? They could be really nice. There was also some sheet metal propped up randomly along what would have been the fence line to the commercial property where the target and the church were. And giant uprooted trees were laying over in some of the yards, including one massive tree over 100 years old in the church owner's yard. Somehow, all of this made the area feel even more like a fit for one life. So we toured the inside and found that it had already had the bones of a working church with lots and lots of room. Although it was outdated and needed some repair, the thought of having the structure of an older style church with plenty of square feet sounded nice as it already had several rooms for offices and classrooms. I was filled with excitement. The dream then skipped ahead. One life had moved into the glory house, and it was time to pay the first rent check of around $1,500. Although there were more modern ways of paying rent electronically, the glory house, get ready, it's going to be funny, the glory house rent was to be paid by check. Although it seemed perfectly natural in the dream, rent was to be paid with what looked like underwear checks with the amount and date written on the inside of the back where the label would be. (laughs) Now, I was wearing... I was... (laughs) I was wearing the underwear check. Uh But on my way to hand it over, I saw that I did not look like myself. It, was, it didn't look like me, but instead appeared to have a man's body. Great, great place to end, right? The end. Y'all have fun. Have fun. Figure that out. Isn't the Holy Spirit so entertaining? Yes. It took me a few days and chewing on it for a while, but I finally got it. So... I in the dream interpretation, I'm going to read this prophetic word over our house, and I put the key there. It was a few things that helped me interpret it, so you can look at what those were. Target represents that God has a target. God has a purpose, a target. It's, it's people, of course. Glory house is housing his glory. Uh, purple represents royalty and authority. A woman owner represents the bride, the body of Christ. Israeli defense force, that's God's army. The number 15 from the amount of the rent check. Number 15 represents reprieve and mercy. Underwear, this is a big one you might be wondering about, is a covering, okay? Underwear is a covering. Yeah, Sheet metal, 
I think of sheet metal as being, it's cheap metal and it's cold and it's hard. Large homes represent provision. Trees represent leaders. This dream is talking about how God sees the ministry of one life in conjunction with the condition of his church at this point in history. We see an old church building positioned on the right, the correct side of his target, his agenda, people's hearts. For decades, this building functioned as a church and was used to train and equip the army of God, but it was no longer in operation and had been vacant for some time now. The basic structure and framing of the building reflects it being perfectly designed for its purpose with ample room and capacity to function well. But years of neglect and lack of maintenance has left it looking shabby and in dire need of a makeover. This is saying God had a plan and a structure and an outline for his church, and it's still a good plan. Just because it's been neglected and hasn't been maintained and got off course doesn't mean that his plan was off. He had a plan and a structure that was perfectly designed to fulfill his purpose for it. Hidden behind the outward structure of the church building, rather than the heart inside, we see the conditions that the bride and body of Christ have been living in. Do you get it? The outward structure of religion, what it looks like on the outside rather than the heart of Jesus on the inside. That's where the bride and the body of Christ have been living. The neighborhood or atmosphere of the community is also run down. Much like the church building, large homes that were meant to provide a fairly grand lifestyle were neglected and in very poor condition. Drab colors and a depressing silence now draped over what was intended to be a thriving community full of life. That's describing the condition of God's people. Drab colors and a depressing silence. What should be a thriving community. God's people should be a thriving community full of life. Fences representing property lines and boundaries had broken down long ago. Half-hearted makeshift repairs patched the holes with cold, hard walls, an ugly display, not at all in keeping with the original design of the neighborhood. Boundaries, if you remember, have to be, you have to be able to breathe through a boundary. It's got to be permeable on some level, not hard walls. Hard walls will put an ugly display on what the church is supposed to be representing. It's not in keeping with its design. Massive trees that once stood tall had uprooted and fallen over in their yards, once pillars in their community, leading the charge for God and his people. These leaders were no longer connected to their source or stability. They now lay as dormant as the empty church building, surrounded by neglected provision. But a flicker of life and activity was now seen when the woman who owned the building, the Bride of Christ, were owners. Were owners. The Bride of Christ is the owner of the church. Owned the building. Recently painted the roof purple and reopened it under the name Glory House. I should correct that. We're not owners, but we're meant to take ownership of it. We're meant to own it as our responsibility. Okay? So recently painted the roof purple and reopened it under the name Glory House. The bride was, in fact, still alive and pursuing her true identity. Before reopening, she reestablished Jesus' royal authority over the church and dedicated it to the purpose of housing his glory. Very important step. The roof is painted purple because the royalty of Jesus is recognized and his royal authority over the church has now been redeclared and display on display. And it's dedicated for the purpose of housing glory. That's why it's called the glory house. The church is now for lease from Yah for Yahweh will forever be its true owner. And he is ready for the ecclesia to return. God is saying that the DNA of one life fits his design for the church and this time perfectly. 
well able to see the gold hidden beneath neglect. One life has a proven history of seeing and believing what can be according to what was meant to be. This ministry speaks the language of remodeling. And that is exactly what God's church needs at this point in time. One Life recognizes that rent payments for operating as this glory house were paid for by Jesus' merciful choice to remove his covering and die on a cross as a reprieve of our sin. Provision is forever bound to godly purpose by One Life. You understand that? Provision is forever bound to godly purpose by one life. In other words, one life is it is a settled, it's a done deal. All provision is for God's purposes. There's no gray area. It's a solid deal. And that's what God is saying is he sees that that is true about, about this ministry. Provision is always forever permanently bound to godly purpose. Therefore, one life is trusted to steward all God provides with the sacredness it deserves. This is God speaking about what he sees about the heart of this ministry. Founded on principles that consistently exalt the royal authority of King Jesus, one life will fill the vacancy left by the modern church and fulfill Yahweh's intended purpose of housing his glory. In keeping with Isaiah 61, mighty oaks of righteousness will emerge from one life's glory house to stand tall, planted as living displays of Yahweh's glory. And so I put Isaiah 61 on there, which is incredible. If you, I'll let you read through that. But of course, it talks about in, in Isaiah 61, how they will restore ruins from long ago. They will rebuild what was long devastated. They will renew ruined cities and desolations of past generations. And you will feast on the wealth of nations. You will inherit a double portion. And all who see them will recognize that they are the seed that Yahweh has blessed with favor. In the same way the earth produces its crops and seeds spring up in a garden, so will the Lord Yahweh cause righteousness and praise to blossom before all the nations. We will be known as mighty oaks of righteousness, being transfigured, rewritten daily into trees of life for the nations. That's why Isaiah 55, that's why they're going to stream to us. It says the leaves on the tree of life are for the healing of the nation. We've got to remember our purpose. And we can be incredibly thankful for the structure that One Life's ministry is for such a time as this. One Life's ministry is in keeping with God's original heart for what the church, what the ecclesia was to be. And so we are, God is saying we're positioned on the correct side of his target. We're on the right side of the target, right? We're on the correct side. We're in the right place. It's confirmation. It's validation. And it says, this is what I'm going to do. This is the condition of the world, but this is how I see one life. And of course, it's all incredibly tied to oaks of righteousness, to trees. The trees in the yard, no matter how these massive, massive old trees over 100 years old, were just laying down in the yard in the dream, just laying down. There's a, a void that needs to be filled. There's a, a place of neglect that has needs to be filled. And we, God is saying, we are positioned, we are ready to be the oaks of righteousness who stand upright to take our position and to fulfill his purpose. All right, we made it. We made it. We made it. It's good, right? If you close your book and you turn it over on the back and you open it up and you look right there, there we are, the oaks. <laughs> Tessa drew that. Turn your neighbor, say, are you going to be an oak? Let me just pray over us and I'm going to read our declarations over us.
and the back of the book is there are new declarations for the year. I just appreciate Cece so much um, just expanding that, and trust me, we will dissect it even more. Um, and at the back, I think after our declaration page is all kinds of good stuff that she spent all her time on and just laying that out for you. So I just really know we'll be going over it so much more. I want to thank Breezy for an amazing picture of the bride seeing herself as Jesus. And that's what I pray over us. So let's just put our hands on our heart and say, Jesus, help me to see myself rightly. So, Papa, I just release the power of this word over us right now. It doesn't matter that we understand every bit of it. it. doesn't matter anything but that you wanted it to be declared today. And so we just receive it with joy today. We just thank you for the investment of Cece's time and all everyone's time that um, spent helping put these amazing, amazing books. It's like a magazine. And we just love um, just the spirit of excellence in this house. And we just thank you for advancing your kingdom through us. So I wanted to read our um, on page 37, if you want to look. And page 38 is our going out and tie decree. And we have a little slide for it. So let's just try to, I'll go through it and y'all can just listen for the first time. How about that? Um, our going out decree is this. I leave today with your presence on my mind. I leave today infused with your power. I will go out today and transform those you bring my way. I will go out today and be and do all that you say. I will be watching for those you send to me. I will be ready to speak your love to all. This is from Cece's word. I acknowledge you're present. I acknowledge you're with me. I acknowledge that you're leading the way. I acknowledge that you're operating in me. I acknowledge that you're living and loving through me. As I leave today, I walk through the door into the more of 24. It's good. message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.